0: Well, welcome to uh, a second Breakfast with Jesus talk. Now, this one's a bit of an excursion, but it it, it does illustrate uh, the invasive effect of a worldview on a wider society, and that's what we're seeing in Jeremiah. Uh, of course, their society's somewhat foreign to ours. Um, what I found intriguing and rather chilling about what I'm going to talk about today is it's, looking at modern society, particularly modern America. Now, mostly we think, uh, and we like to think that Christianity has been good for the world. Um, That, however, is an uneven story, as we all know, and there's a dark dark side to this influence. Now, last time uh, in in my talk, the harvest and first fruits talk, I talked about this problem we all have of um, inclusion and exclusion dogs Christianity um, in Jeremiah's case um, the, Israel, the Israel that he was talking to really had this worldview: God was on their side and he was against their enemies and therefore he would almost bless them no matter what um, Jeremiah had a different worldview of Israel's place in the world, which was rather than two camps, which is a binary view. He had a first fruits and harvest model, which is not a binary view. And this model of the first fruits does play into uh, a cosmic redemption worldview of the plans of God. and of the future that we can declare for all. In other words, we who are the elect and, and, and have the spirit of Christ, don't have it instead of others, but on behalf of others, um, as a foreshadowing of a future reality. In that talk, I mentioned uh, Michael Sandel's book, um, in which he traces the huge influence of evangelical Christianity on modern America. Uh, the book's called The Tyranny of Merit what's become of the common good. Now, Michael Sandel is a professor of political philosophy at Harvard. And in uh, his um, second chapter is what I'm going to talk about now. Um, It's entitled, Great Because Good, A Brief Moral History of Merit, in which uh, really um, he traces, I think, uh, the implications of the two camps included and excluded model if you've got that model of humanity that begins to uh, mediate a social model of winners and losers um, which he calls meritocracy in other words though the good rule the blessed rule. Um, the problem that he's addressing in the book is the really the trump factor um, the sense of a huge left behind lower middle class in america who are the, the dark losers in, 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 in a meritocracy? Um, and in America, it's, it's most evidently seen in the healthcare system where there isn't a safety net, and he talks at some length about that. But what he says is that, this, that the modern economics of America is very much framed by its religious heritage. Um, and at the heart of that religious heritage is how we view merit or blessing. Now the two camps view, which is there are winners and there are losers, um, as he said, becomes the basis for a social. Has become in America the basis for a social vision. It, it might now appear to be secular, but it's still "quote unquote" religious. And the um, within this view, the the sort of operating difference between winners and losers is is the mechanism of blessing and winners get blessed because they deserve their wins and losers deserve their loss so it's a it's a cause and effect view of the world it's a meritocracy and he charts how the prosperity gospel in america is evidence of this moral cause and effect in 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 absolutely chilling <laughs> chilling fashion i mean when you read the examples that he gives it it um it makes you kind of ashamed. He mentions, for instance, Reverend Franklin Graham declaring that the uh, Hurricane Katrina uh, was divine retribution for the wicked city of New, New Orleans. Um, when an earthquake claimed more than 200,000 lives in uh, Haiti in 2009, the televangelist Pat Robertson attributed the disaster to a pact that Haitian, Haitian slaves allegedly made um, with the devil uh, when they rebelled against France in 1804. You know, very much moral cause and effect has led to social disasters. Um, So um, Sandel is not claiming this is the only religious view um, of the world, this uh, baked-in cause-and-effect view of those who are good or faithful get blessed. Those who are not get cursed. They're the losers. Um, he sees an alternative in in the Bible itself, in the book of Job, um, which he calls a humble view of life. That's more cosmic and accepts that yes, there are winners and losers, but it's not directly attributable to your moral compass or achievement. I mean. The rain falls in the desert. Uh, um, and in Job's case, um, it was his comforters who had that cause and effect view. So it's not that he's suggesting that there's something inherently wrong with a religious view. it's a particular religious view that he's critiquing. Now, um, the story, uh, as, as he tells it, um, really crystallizes, it begins with Augustine for sure, but crystallizes around Luther. Um, who said that grace um, means we cannot work our way to heaven. So, so, so when Luther established that, that looks like it's um, going to really wipe out any meritocracy. Uh, what this led to for Calvin and Luther was election. In other words, why do I believe and therefore get saved? Well, I believe and I get saved because I'm elected or predestined. Now, um, this led to psychological terror, as Sandal said. Um, It's an extremely precarious view. Um, His his, his sentence is, the Calvinist doctrine of predestination created unbearable suspense. And it's not hard to see why. The question becomes, how do I know that I'm in God's elect? And this question uh, has tormented many people including people that i know um a somewhat answer became good works for calvin you know are a sign of my salvation um and good works are an outworking of my choice of god um and uh free will of course we know has come into the picture as well um, in modern evangelical um, doctrine. in other words, um, yes, God's got his predestination, but he also acknowledges free will, and so my free will um, is what really opens the door for his grace. Now, that quickly makes free will or decisions a work as well. you you just keep sliding back. Into a kind of a merit, into a kind of, I've got something you haven't got, and there's a reason for it. So, um, and good works and prosperity become a sign of blessing. You know, God helped me sell my house, God healed me, Um, uh, God gave me a good job, God did this, God did that. It's actually what um, some. Times my friend Mark Strom calls us a superstitious view but it's it 's a view that God blesses me, and it 's very much the view that um, um, in jeremiah 's day the his opponents had about Israel that where god's on our side, surely he 's going to deliver us um, so in America, um, Sandal traces the way this Calvinist story and evangelicalism um, has been the buttress of, of the American modern society, be it secular, be it religious, in which um, you can easily see how this foundational view of humanity and sociology um, means that successful people deserve their success it's it 's somehow a sign of blessing and favor even if you 're an atheist, you want to think i 'm sort of favored, I sort of deserve what i 've got that my you know um, my my uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, and he's got a terrible sentence uh, where he talks about um, you know the CEO of Gold, Goldman Sachs, um, Lloyd Blankfein, uh, in in defending his lavish pay in the face of public outrage, replied that he and his fellow bankers were quote doing God's work. Um, so you've got in America now a real a mixture of religious meritocracy and secular meritocracy, but they've got common roots. That's what Sandel is arguing. And um, it moralises success um, in you know, this, this modern world, moralises success in ways that echo the earlier religious faith. Um, and what this leads to is triumphalism, which is what we began with as one of the really difficult points of, or consequences of the um, I'm saved, you're not. It's hard for that not to sound triumphalist because I'm in and you're not in. And that triumphalism um, is, uh, you know, quite uh, um, explicit. Um, I mean, Sandel says, confident of their election the spiritual aristocracy of the elect looked down with disdain on those apparently destined for damnation Um, and he quotes uh, max weber who said the consciousness of divine grace of the elect and holy was accompanied by an attitude toward the sin of one's neighbor not of sympathetic understanding based on consciousness of one's own weakness, but instead of hatred and contempt for him as an enemy of God, bearing the signs of eternal damnation. A bit extreme, but there's a lot of truth in it. So um, he climaxes with the view of an American historian, uh, Jackson Lears, who really traces the impact of of Protestant evangelicalism um, on on America. Um, He says it, predominates now America. And he talks about an ethos of fortune versus an ethos of mastery. The ethos of fortune is a Job-type picture of the world. In other words, accepts dimensions of life that go well beyond human understanding and control and embrace mystery. And it becomes a humble view of life. The cosmos uh, doesn't equally um, give rewards for merit. It's a mixture. Um, the ethic of mastery, however, puts human choice at the centre of spiritual order. and It's hard not to read this and think of the way that really evangelical, modern evangelical um, belief says that against predestination says, well, no, um, God wants to allow our choice to um, actually predominate. And so God respects our choice. And if you make the right choice, you go, you're accepted uh, into into the church and into heaven. And that's, that's how you get there. But it's hard not to recognize exactly what um, Jackson Lea says, that this is putting human choice at the center of spiritual order. And then it, 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 this ethos of, of mastery and control emerges, um, from within evangelical Protestantism, he says, because God's, God's behind my choice. Now, God will bless me. And he says it creates uh, rocket fuel for meritocracy. People get what they deserve. Um, and the two unfortunate outcomes of getting what they deserve are um, either punishment or hubris. Um, for instance, uh, in terms of punishment, he gives the you know, pretty chilling example after the 9-11 terrorist attack um, on the World Trade Center in New York City, Reverend Jerry Falwell um, interpreted the attack as a divine retribution for America's sins. You know, the abortionists have got to, this is quoting what Falwell said, the abortionists have got to bear some burden for this because God will not be mocked. And when we destroy 40 million little innocent babies, we make God mad. Um, So this idea of punishment for those who are not on God's side, the flip side of that is hubris for those who are. So it's a kind of a, that's a summary of Michael Sandel's Um, analysis. Of course, what he wants is something to do with the common good. And let's finish by going back to the idea of the Job and Ecclesiastes view of the world, which I think is a cosmic view and a humble view of reality. And if you actually have this view that, look, um, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, it's all God's good world, um, one way or another, Clearly, you're going to have to have something to do with the quote-unquote common good, i.e. social systems that accommodate the poor, accommodate those who, um, for whatever reason, it, could, it may be that they've contributed to their homelessness. It may not be. It may be that they've contributed to their lack of education. It may not be. But um, grace has to be shown because we're all in a world with a lot of mystery in it. That, that view is clearly, I think, going to lead to social systems that are inclusive. Um, I think all of that is um, authenticated by the um, uh, paradigm shift in the first fruits uh, model, because what the first fruits model does, it doesn't divide the world into two camps. It's, it's, It's actually not an alternative to the binary thinking. It's a paradigm shift. It says actually we're all part of the harvest, but some of us are the first fruits. So it's, it's inclusive, but still differentiating. And it's differentiating by where we are on the um, growth cycle of the seed, as it were. Um, it, it certainly means that your message and, your, and the implication of what you believe um, cannot be God God is on our side, so we're going to win. God's on everyone's side. It's, you know, God's got a broad, broad purpose. Um, and that harvest metaphor is inclusive of all, but the first fruit side of it says, it's more about responsibility. You've got whatever you've got, i.e. your gift of the Holy Spirit, your knowledge of the scriptures, your faith. You've got it on behalf of others and for others. Um, you've, you're there elected for a purpose um, and part of that purpose would be to declare the harvest and bring the harvest forward um, into, into the present uh, as much as possible. So it really, I think, uh, the metaphor is implicit in what Sandal said was a wiser view of the world in the Job and Ecclesiastes worldview. The Job and Ecclesiastes worldview, unfortunately, did not come to dominate um, evangelical Protestantism and the results, uh, the social shockwaves of that have proved devastating. Uh, So, um, I think these meditations make me think about A really important consequence of cosmic redemption. I'll just end with this thought. I mean, worldviews have an impact on the kind of society we build. And Sandal's analysis, I mean, you may not agree with it, but his analysis says this binary worldview is, even if you fight against it, tends to create a winners and losers meritocracy. But there's something in the cosmic redemption model that is for all people. Um, Actually, I think it accommodates a view of grace, um, fulsome grace, um, in a way that the um, saved-unsaved model really struggles with. Um, It it also, I think, accommodates human responsibility nicely. But the social impact is a society that's for all because God is for all.